Trump falls on it. That will be it. They've defended their title. They are still the champions and the first in a united competition since 
twisted in a tackle and just the impact of that shoulder. When they slowed it down, it just looked awful. We, um, we, we knew there was something going on there, we, didn't we? We sure did. And then, of course, Orbo with his wrist. Uh, you know, always makes it difficult when you see a player of Orbo's calibre, the amount of games he's played uh, at the time of his career. He's in the twilight, get injured, because you always worry that, you know, geez, I hope this is not season-ending. Fortunately, it's not. Lots to look forward to. Now, just on those injuries, Silky, I note we've got a few players coming back. I know we're in camp uh, returning from injury. You know, JWH being one of them should uh, you know should be back in the side this week and really uh, you know leading us from up front. And we've got a few more players that we want to return from injury. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure, Ken Bush. Uh, we see the return of Brett Morris, of course. Cole Flanagan will be playing in the number seven. As you just mentioned, Jared Wairia Hargraves back in the front row, which sees Isaac Liu move to number 13. And looks like making his debut at the moment, Bush, Freddie Lussick. But also on the reserves bench in number 21, stay tuned, Sammy Walker. So it'll be interesting to see what Coach Robinson does there. Yeah, very interesting. Very dynamic young player, Sammy Walker. And... Uh, Highly skilled, so, you know, we watched him as a schoolboy, and uh, he's got a big rap on him. Now, Silky, uh, you know, changing gears, this week we thought we'd give the players a bit of a rest. They are in camp, but we've got a special guest from yesteryear, trip down memory lane, we call it, and, uh, you know, Retro Rooster. Yeah, that's right, Bush. Had the opportunity earlier this week to sit down with player number 650, Ian Schubert. A club legend, of course. Shuey was the Clive Churchill medalist in the 1975 Grand Final. And we had a good chat. We talked about how he arrived uh, to the Roosters in 74-75. He was part of the 1972 Australian Schoolboys team, the inaugural Australian Schoolboys Rugby League team that toured uh, Great Britain. He's also had a bit of an injury uh, of recent time. He had a, a, quite a serious motorcycle accident. And I also got to ask him, Bush, how he deals with the, uh, the innuendo and the criticism about his role as a salary cap auditor. So uh, look forward to sharing uh, that interview with you all today. Now, lastly, before we go, Silky, uh, can't wait for that interview with Shuey, one of the great roosters. New deal for the SCG Trust, signed till 2047. I loved what the CEO of the SCG came out and said, that this is roosters turf. Strong words and great for us to do a deal. There's a great photo in the article yeah. of our chairman, Nick Politis, our CEO, Joe Kelly, the CEO of the Sydney Cricket Ground Trust, and of course, Jared Wahira Johnson, the man that she takes the hit-ups and the current COO of the club, doing some amazing work in the commercial side, getting all the sponsors in the jumper, doing deals like this, pulling Sonny Bill in, giving companies an opportunity to put their number back yeah, on the jersey. that's interesting. What else can Jared do? And, you know what, sharing sausage rolls with his two hosts up there in the captain's club. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Bush. Yeah, they're doing a great job there. Never bite the hand of feed you, mate. He fed me the other night. Well, that's right. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Roosters Radio. And when we come back, my interview with Ian Schubert. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility. With high-quality sound equipment and production services, Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So, if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 900 or email info at radiohub.com.au. Well, Roosters fans, it's my absolute delight to introduce our next guest, played 149 games for the Red, White and Blue. He was the man of the match in the 1975 Grand Final win against the Dragons. He toured with the Kangaroos in 75 and 82. And it's my great pleasure to welcome, for the first time on Roosters Radio, the one and only Ian Schubert. Shuey, you're with us. Yes, good morning and thank you. Um, nice, nice to be on Black and White Radio. Beautiful. <laughs> Sure, I want to take it back right to the start. Obviously, grew up playing uh, football in Warhope. 
And you were part of the inaugural 1972 Australian schoolboy team. You played alongside, obviously, your great mate in uh, Royce Aliff and some other notables, Les Boyd, uh, Craig Young, coached by Roy Masters. But what do you remember about that tour of England, 11 games and, you know, some crazy for and against? Oh, mate, we, we toured um, in the um, Australian school holidays. So we left um, towards the end of December and uh, got back the day before school went back at the end of January. So we were over there with snow and sleet. It was pretty chilly in England, I can tell you. But, uh, mate, it was six weeks away from home. We were only 16 years of age and uh, in a foreign country, which I thought I'd never get to, let alone go there and spend six weeks. So, and we're playing footy. I'm training twice a day and playing footy every second day. So we, it was just a lot of fun. Did you know at the time, you know, we mentioned some of the blokes that played for Australia, like yourself. Did you realise it was a special team back then? Well, we'd, we'd gone through undefeated um, and well, until the last game they hadn't scored a try against us. So we knew we were a pretty good side, but then again, we weren't too sure about the opposition because it was the first tour ever. So, but we sort of knew we were going okay. And uh, but some of the blokes in the side were just were just quality players. You could tell Robert Finch was the prettiest centre I'd ever seen, and uh, you know Royce and Craig Young were two of the toughest front rowers. And Boydy in the back row was. You, you knew that something's going to happen with those sort of blokes. I've got to ask Les Boyd, the baby-faced assassin. Like he, he came across very quiet. What was he like to tour with? But he was exactly the same as he was when he played. But the baby-faced assassin, quiet as a church mouse off the field, and cross that line, he gets white line fever and turns into another human being. It's just uh, that's just the way he is. Eighty minutes of absolute concentration on the end result. And then he relaxes for the rest of the week. <laughs> now, were you in year eleven when you went on that tour? We were we were in year ten, and we just finished our um, school certificate, so we got our exam our exam results when we were overseas. So um, yeah, so we were in year ten. We went, we came back from that and went back into years eleven and twelve for seventy three and seventy four. Wow, that's nineteen seventy three. Yeah. So, so moving on, you, you finished you finished your studies in, in 1973, and you get signed by the great Jack Gibson in, in 1974. Do you remember what your first contract was worth? Uh, well, I didn't come down in '74. I came down and did the trials, and then went back to finish year 12. So I came down for 1975. So in November '74, we came down. Yeah, I remember what it was. It was uh, 1,500 bucks. Wow. And, uh, and $200 a win. It so happens we won a lot of games that year. I earned more in match payments than I did in contract fees. But, uh, but I didn't, didn't expect to be getting, picking up the 200 a week, which was, uh, which was a bonus because it was my first year. I was sort of hoping to force my way in through the under 20s and, uh, see how we go. But it all happened okay because the coach was good. The team was good. But, uh, I've always said my, my missus could have played first grade in that team. But as a young bloke from the bush, what was it like coming down to live in Sydney? Um, it was good. I, I played a couple of years of um, first grade in Moorhead before I came down, so I was, I was a little bit hardened. I got uh, first year syndrome at Warhope and played there as a young whiz kid. And uh, the second year I got battered from pillar to post, which was fun. And then when I came down to Sydney, I sort of knew how hard it was going to be. Um and I was in a growth spurt at the time as well. So it, um, I grew a lot and learned a lot in the, the first 12 months of footy. 
Now, the Roosters weren't the only club that were looking for your, your signature back then. I, I believe the Tigers were also interested. What was it that made you join the Roosters at the time? Um, well, the Tigers dropped off. That that was one reason. And uh, I've got to say that the 74, when I went back home, uh, I naturally followed uh, the Roosters because I did that pre-season with them. And uh, Jack said, OK, go home and we'll talk towards the end of the year and uh, just finish, concentrate on your school and we'll hopefully see you next year. So I'd gone back and uh, and, and it, was a, it was a bit of a strange season for me, but uh, uh, my main project was to get back and finish the high school certificate and then uh, come down. But So I was sort of had one thing in mind and that was to come to the Roosters in 75 after it, they brought me down through all the, the pre-season in 74 and I'd met quite a lot of the blokes and, uh, for those weekend of the trials and most of those guys were still going to be there in 75, so I sort of didn't feel so much away from home as heading to a new home. Sure, Jack Gibson, to many of our audience, uh, mostly younger people, they probably wouldn't have seen him. Obviously, they've heard the name, but how, how would you describe the great man? Um, he had an unusual um, sense of humour, Jack. Uh, was uh, mostly pretty quiet and very serious, but uh, he knew how to let his hair down on the odd occasion. But um, he he was, you know, and he just coached individually. He knew what made players tick and uh, what he had to do to get you to where he needed to be or where you needed to be to, to play at the appropriate level, where he thought you could play. Um, he, he he had a real good idea of what you could do before you did. And he, he brought players on probably more so than he did tune them at the end of their career. Um, because he was just good at that that level, bringing players through to getting them into first grade and putting them into a, a really good side and that side playing together as a team, more so than individuals. And um, and, and he had that success. So where, wherever he went, he's had a few sprinkling, sprinkling of old heads um, to keep the young blokes' heads on their shoulders and, uh, and a lot of youthful exuberance and a bit of talent in there. Moving on to 75, you start the season on the wing and then obviously uh, there's an injury to, to Russell Fairfax. Uh, we've had a question from, from one of our fans and they want to know what it was like stepping into the shoes of Russell Fairfax. Well, he had smaller feet than me, so that was difficult <laughs> at the time. And he definitely had longer hair and he had a, a much bigger personality than I did. But um, I was a little kid from the country and Russell had already represented um, the Wallabies, if I remember correctly. So they were big shoes, um, but it was I'd played all year with Russell, and uh, I was sort of I was just holding the spot warm for him for the next year, and uh, and that's how I approached it. And I wasn't going to hadn't intended for that to be my my full flight the next year. And uh, Russell was down and wounded, and I was just trying to carry the ball up for him until he got better. And uh, it just so happened to be at the end of the year, and everything turned out all right. And uh, but Russell was back the following year, so. Um, I was him straight back onto the wing and, and back he came. Moving on to the grand final, obviously you had an absolute amazing game that day. What do you remember most about the 38 nil drubbing to the Dragons? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't remember much of it until I saw it later on the telly, but um, I, naturally, I had a bit of a head clash with Teddy Goodwin in the first half. And he tipped the ball through and we were both attempting to catch it, both run at each other, run a mile down. And uh, my next thing that I remember was coming off at half-time, going through the gates up into the change rooms and and, uh, and Gibbo saying, are you all right? And I said, of course, yeah, I'm fine. Well, I was at the time, but the previous 30 minutes I wasn't. 
um, but that was how it was. You know, there was no um, was it the, the head bin now. So you, if you could stand on your feet, you'd stayed on. Looking just at some of your teammates, the the centre pairing in particular, the great Johnny Brass, who we're we're going to speak to as well as part of the Retro Rooster segment. But the the late great Mark Harris, uh, you know, you were getting some great service from those players. What do you remember about the uh, the great man that was Mark Harris? But um, Mark was just the biggest athlete, and uh, an athlete in every sense of the word. He was quick, he was agile, and you know he was very very strong and uh, and just big. Brassy put him in that many holes. He could, he could barely remember, and because uh, Brassy had the, the silky hands and a good step. So Mark just had a lot of catch and run, and uh, and he did it every chance he got. So they were they were a great combination, and um, but it was different to what it is now, where you don't see you often centre to centre. Um, they're on different sides of the paddock these days, and uh, that you don't get very often in a in, a, in an eighty minute game, the half five eight centre centre fullback combination, and uh, that that's a bit of a shame because they were some of the great centre pairings of all time, and um, you don't see them so much. So, Shuey, thinking about, you know, all the great players that you played with and against, is there one that stands out? Oh, look, Arthur was always probably my favourite player, Arthur Beaton. Uh, he could pretty much do anything on the field and uh, he was a really a really nice fella off the field as well. He was a, a good friend and, uh, and, a, and a great companion on the field. When, when things needed to be done, he could most certainly do them and uh, it was just a matter of when and where. And if you could be around it somewhere, you were, you were likely to be involved in it. But, you know, I was, I was fortunate to go through um, a reasonable career with uh, a lot of good players at each of the clubs I was at. You know, I had Bozo when I was at uh, the Roosters and then back over at Manly. And, you know, I played with Graham Eady when, when I went over to Manly. He was, he was a fantastic player as well. And, uh, you know, Aleph was one of the best front rowers chasing in defence I'd ever seen. He would cover tackle like a lock forward. And uh, after having taken four balls up in the ruck, he, uh, he, he was a great player to play with. And uh, then, of course, you got um, Johnny Mays and Peardy and Kevin Stevens. You know, they, they were largest fantastic blokes with the Roosters when we were there at that, those early days. And Pickett, of course, and Billy Mullins on the wing. Geez, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> it certainly doesn't. Uh, it makes it a lot easier when you've got a good forward back. And, uh, you know, we had Coot and Bunny Riley and Ian Mackay and... Kenny Jones and Alan Walters and Beats over there. Which, um, it was a very formidable pack to follow along, I can say. It was a nice way to come into it when you're only 18 years of age. Yeah, of course. Now, Shuey, obviously, uh, rugby league back then wasn't professional. Uh, you, you had to have a job. We had a question from uh, one of your students at Randwick Boys High, as a matter of fact. But, <laughs> but you, you had a number of jobs. So I'm assuming you, you worked at the Lees Club as well. I think to drive a brewery truck. What are some of the roles you had during your football career? Mate, I can say that I actually never worked at the league club when I was playing. Um, one of the few, one of the few blokes who didn't. But I came down to um, a big part of what brought me down was to get into the teachers' college to to get my teaching degree. So um, when I finished that, I, I did. I taught at Ramwick High, I taught Borcleuse, Maroubra. I, I taught around casually uh, at, at a number of schools, and, that, and then I got into I had a brewery truck for a while towards the end of my career, and. Uh, I sold some advertising for a, a company there at one stage. I think they were easy find colours or something. Uh, whatever, whatever it was, I, I could turn my hand to it, but um, I wasn't a stickler for it because I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. So at the end of each season, I'd reassess and see what I was going to do next year. 
Just going back to the Leeds Club for a sec, it's no secret you had long hair like uh, Russell Fairfax. Is, is that the reason you never worked there? Ron Jones wouldn't wouldn't allow you to <laughs> wouldn't allow you in the joint? Well, apart from the fact we weren't allowed in, it wasn't really the place that we wanted to go anyway back in that, those days. You know, we're, we'd go back to Phoenix Hotel and have a couple of beers or the Dunbar after training and uh, and after a game. And uh, but the, as years went on, the Leeds Club uh, relinquished they softened on that rule a bit and uh, the players would go back and have a, a function down underneath the Leeds Club and uh, quite often upstairs for a few, a few hours after. But um, it, it was just different then, and uh, the, the rule they had a rule in for that particular purpose. For I don't know why, but it uh, it wasn't too damaging. There was plenty of other places to go in, in those early days. I heard you were a big hit at the Bondi Lifesaver. <laughs> no, no that, that was that was Russell, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mate, it would have closed down years before it ended down there. Um, it was uh, it was a nightclub. It was a bit wild for me. I got to say, mate, I, I still had a lot of country in me in those early days. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I ventured in there a couple of times and found myself in there when late at night that I shouldn't have been there and decided to go home. <laughs> but it was uh, it was a bit of fun to be had, and uh, it was very close to the league club. I know that. Now, Shuey, after your career, you were the NRL salary cap auditor, and a lot of people have wanted to ask this question. The whole sombrero that gets thrown around and the innuendo around the roosters and their salary cap breaches. But the question's been asked, did that ever offend you, that the innuendo, or was that just water off a duck's back for you? It's very hard to understand. Like, the only people who have the scribes, and no one sees the contracts except the player and his agent and the salary cap order. And they're so far off, and the agents pump it up, and they tell lies to the media all the time about what their players are earning and if they want to get them out of a place they're not getting paid enough and if they if they want to go somewhere they're, they're pumping their wages up so there's not a lot of truth in all that that comes out through the paper um, a wild guess gets them pretty close sometimes and every now and again they hit the mark but uh, the reality of those things uh, sometimes is so far from what's uh, what's portrayed in printed paper or coming over the news that um, it just it just incites people to to um, to get all excited about fair and fairness and whether their team's being hardly done by or whether they missed out on a player and or whether they missed the other. It, it's just good theatre. It is really good theatre. And I, I took it as that. You know, I did it I did it fair and I did it straight across the board and I didn't take any offence if someone didn't like what I did because it was it was supposed to be fair for everybody and not just for one or two teams or one or two players. I think Nick Politis summed it up when we asked him the same question. He simply said, all the other clubs are jealous. Yeah, there's a, there was a lot of that because some clubs really, they know how to do a roster and, and get it right. And uh, it's a big part of success in the game. And you have to, it's not just about having the right players. It's about having the right depth and the right amount and your roster. You can't have all of your money in the top four or five players and you can't have it evenly spread. That doesn't work either, but there's a formula in there and not many of them have worked it out. It's a little bit different to, to know from club to club, the actual formula, but most certainly when they get it right, you can see the success that comes and it's not just for a, a year or happen for a number of years, but maybe not win it every year, but you most certainly see a, a successful trend that that club um, generates. Well, let's just talk a bit of footy. Obviously, uh, the club 
going through a few injury battles at the moment. Uh, we've got about six weeks of, of the rounds left to go. How do you think the team's looking uh, at this stage of the game? Wounded. Very, very yeah. wounded. And, uh, you know, it's not just, you know, the, the backup. It's uh, we've lost some key players. And uh, some of, I know some of those players are due to come back. But, you know, I've got to say, the, the players that have gone, come into the team and come come into that top squad have uh, really managed themselves quite well. I'm real happy for Matty Cavallo. He, he's made an absolute bird of his opportunity. And, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys. Christian Tupelo played on the weekend and, uh, you know, he's caught a try on his first go and Pius is coming through to play in the house down. And it's good to see um, that the other players that have just come through this year and had their opportunity uh, have made a real bird of it and uh, hopefully pushing for extended contracts. Sure, you've played under some great coaches. Your thoughts on uh, Trent Robinson? Yeah, well, he won't hear this, so I'm, I'm prepared oh, to Oh, he will, him. he will. <laughs> oh, well, I won't wrap him <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, I'm a harsh judge uh, at some times, but um, I like what he does with the team and the club and how he how he approaches it all. He's, um, and he does, he doesn't do a lot of ranting and raving that you notice on TV, which is always a good thing. And uh, But he most certainly has a caring attitude to the club and the player. And uh, it's not all... A1 focus on win, 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 win. It's about the preparation and the, uh, and the long-term vision that he's got as well, not just a, a week-to-week thing about winning. He does have that, of course, but it's it's not overplayed by the um, the welfare of the players or the team or the club. Now, before we let you go, mate, obviously we have a game to play on Saturday. A few of the players will be licking their wounds after last Thursday night. Where do we need to improve against the Tigers this weekend? Oh, mate, it, it was it was a tough uh, game last week. Every time we sort of got somewhere, someone went down, and then then we, we're sort of relying on Luke a bit now. And Luke was Luke got wounded, and uh, he played on for a bit, but uh, you could tell when he went that uh, wasn't going to be good. And um, you get a bit disjointed when you haven't got those, and uh, and then when. Um, uh, yeah, the halfback went off, and then we've got Kyle coming back in. Well, that's all. That's going to be disjointed again. Um, so it'll it'll just be nice if we can get settled over the next four weeks, running into the semis. But um, all depends on when those guys are coming back. So uh, Andrew um, uh, Crichton's got to come back in yet. So um, I'm, I'm not sure. And uh, the one of the Morris boys, I'm not sure how um, Tupou is either. Yeah. We sort of we missed that big long thing in the wing. Yeah. <laughs> we pull that, pull that thing out of the sky easily, and uh, the game's very much cornered around kicking to the corners. At some point in your game, now you need your big long fellas in there. Actually, just on uh, that point, what do you what do you think about the the modern day winger compared to when you were running around? Mate, the wingers are unbelievably athletic, and you know they catch balls in the air like the AFL. They fly through the air. They score. Most tries are scored now while they're diving with half their body outside the corner post. I've got to say, I wasn't 100% sure about the corner post rule when they brought it in, but it has been an absolute sensation to take it out of play and to allow wingers to uh, provide these acrobatic skills that they now have. And uh, there's been some incredible tries scored. And it's good for the public. It's, uh, It's very good for the game and the fans love it. And I've got to say, we've, we've produced some great showmen on the wing, and we can score a try for nothing. 
absolutely. And uh, it's good. I, I'm, I'm, I wish I was playing now, but I wouldn't be at that certain level because they're just so athletic and so acrobatic. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. They must do a lot of practice. Yeah. Well, I think I think you'd be able to handle it all right, Chewy. I think you'd be able to go okay. <laughs> It might be the training that might be the yeah, issue. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Look, Shuey, on behalf of all Roosters fans, final question before we let you go, and this is the one we told our fans that we're going to be speaking to you on today's show, and the question we got most from, from you know, around the world, as a matter of fact, is you had a serious injury. How's your recovery and, you know, how are you travelling in general? Oh, mate, I'm, it's going okay. I've uh, still got a fair bit of rehab in front of me. Uh, it's been nearly 12 months now. That's next week. And um, I'm hobbling around. It's a bit shorter than the other one now, but I'm making do. And uh, I'm I'm not in a lot of pain, which is a good thing. Uh, I, the rehab, when I do it, go a bit hard. I get a bit sore for a couple of days on it. But, uh, but the foot's back on. It's working. I can wiggle in my toes a bit. And, uh, and as I say, I, I can get on the bike because it's easy to ride. It's just uh, running around the park might be a thing of the past. Well, Shui, I know I speak for all Roosters fans when we wish you a speedy recovery. And just want to thank you for spending time with us here today on Roosters Radio. Thanks very much for joining us. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much. Welcome back to Roosters Radio on Bush. Saturday afternoon, 5.30 kickoff, 8th wonder of the world. Leichhardt Oval, Roosters v Tigers. How do you see it? Well, before I say how do you see it, you know, you've been plenty of time there as a kid yourself. What is it like to run out and for you? It's an old retro ground. Well, my grandmother's ashes are scattered at Leichhardt Oval. Wow, there you yeah. go. Because I know your whole family history is yeah. from Balmain and Lilyfield, mate. Uh, you know, when you when you're coming up to Leichhardt and you're coming out with the players and you've run out that tunnel plenty of times, it's the is it the greatest ground we've got? I just think as a spectator, having the ability to sit on the hill and watch football, you know, there's nothing. I just I love suburban grounds, be it Brookvale Oval, uh, you know, Leichhardt Oval, any of those old classic sports grounds, you know, the old Sydney sports ground. They're just great venues. They are great venues. And we look forward to our boys running around. Now, you know, we know the Tigers have had a you know up and down season, but, you know, they've got a good coach in Madge Maguire. Again, I think, you know, out of the Bellamy School, um, I'm always big on the coaching duel. I wonder what Robbo's got up his sleeve this week. That's what He just keeps us guessing, keeps us fans not in the know. Then someone will come out this week, you know, and do something amazing. Well, I know by the time uh, it's kickoff there on Saturday afternoon, there may be some changes on the reserves bench. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and, and with that in mind, Bush, I'm tipping a victory to the Roosters. I think we're going to bounce back. I'm not going to say it was the loss we had to have, but I think, uh, you know, the boys have been in camp locked away this week. They would have done some soul searching. I think they're going to dust themselves off, and I think they're going to put a score on the Tigers. I'm going to say 32-12. Wow. Nice. 24-10 for me, Silky. And I think I don't think it's a loss we uh, um, had to have. It's a loss we were happy to have last week. And if we went down 24-6 with 13 of our troops out, our boys still made a good account of themselves. Yes, there were some drop balls and, and, you know, a few mistakes and some defensive errors from, you know, a technical point of view. That's not our bag, baby. We're of the fans, by the fans, for the fans. We'll let the experts talk about that. What we will do, though, is we'll be out there cheering our men on at Leichhardt Silky. And I can't wait to see another Roosters victory. Well, that's it for this episode of Roosters Radio. We'd like to thank our special guest, the one and only Ian Schubert. You've been listening to Roosters Radio. East to win.
crawl.